You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back on Silver and Black today, the post-game live edition here uh, we are an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor, subscribe wherever you get your audio. Even if you just watch us on YouTube, do me the favor, <laughs> subscribe anyway on the audio. It helps us out significantly. Mo and I would appreciate that very, very much. That's how we get our quote unquote ratings. So we do that. Also, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the audio version of Raiders Fan Radio as well as subscribing and hitting the notification bell up on YouTube for Raiders Fan Radio for Murph, Jeff, and Michelle. We appreciate Uncle Mosh as well, too. Uh, all right, so we're back talking about the Raiders. And, you know, you you look, you just, I keep going back to the numbers, and it's probably a moot point at this, at this, at this juncture. But I look at it, and I think the Raiders had 12 first downs in the entire game, okay? Uh, and you look at Garoppolo's numbers, we talked about that. Time of possession, they had the ball just 20 minutes to the, the, the Lions almost 40. So twice as much time. So anybody who looks at this game and says anything about the defense, because the defense faded towards the back end, and that wasn't their fault. It really wasn't. This defense has played better. I'm not saying they're a top 10 defense, folks. Don't get me wrong here. But they played well enough to put the team in position to actually upset the Lions on national TV at home. But as you mentioned, Murph, Josh McDaniels now 3-11 and on the road with the Raiders. That tells you they do not do well on the road. They do not prepare well enough to play teams on the road. You go back to, I mean, to me, this is the worst offensive game I've seen the Raiders play in the seven years I've covered them. Uh, now, the the doesn't mean they didn't have other bad games, but this is the worst one. Yes, the New Orleans games where, where they didn't get past the 50-yard line, that was bad. But with a $104 million offense and all the things they got going now, to me, it was much worse. And I just sit there, and again, you go back to coaching. Now, the players play Garoppolo. We talked about it. Put Garoppolo to bed right now because he is hot garbage. But we look at the coaching, the offensive play calling. You didn't put your team in a position well there either. Now, Garoppolo not executing, that limits you to what you can do. Then the Raiders came out, and they started just running the ball and having success and got their only touchdown of the game was because they were effectively running the ball. The offensive line was actually blowing Detroit up on the, on the line there for a bit, but that was only a flash in the pan. They could not sustain any offensive momentum whatsoever. 
That was partly because of the quarterback play, but I just don't understand what the offensive mentality is here. And if you're Mark Davis and you, and you're even Dave Ziegler, if he wants to keep his job and you see there's there, it's not working, it's not working. You've now been through almost exactly half the season and nothing has gotten better. Uh, Murph, I think that, you know, besides getting rid of the coach, if they don't get rid of the coach soon, then something else has to change. If they don't do anything, if we don't hear anything about something changing, then Raider fans have every right to completely turn off. And I know you won't because you bleed silver and black. But I, I would not blame a fan to say, you know, what? I'm not watching another game while this guy coaches unless I hear something's changing. Yeah. Okay. So you, you talked about the, the worst maybe that you've ever seen, you know, shout out the 2006 Raiders that, uh, <laughs> you know, won two games. And I was just looking at it here three times. We scored zero points. Uh, six times we scored less than 10 points. Uh, this, that was a terrible football team. And speaking of also having a good defense, that defense was ranked eighth, eighth overall. And w- when we looked at, you know, a lot of a lot of fans will tell you, well, yeah, because the Raiders will get so far behind so early that they didn't have to worry about anything, whatever. But there were some ballers on that team. There were some good good players on the defensive side of that team. Shout out Namdi Asamoah, Stuart Schweiger. Like, there's some good players on that team. But bottom line, though, is that offensively they were put. There was nothing to to be said for Aaron Brooks and Andrew Walter, and you know, that it was it was absolutely inept in terms of offense. So it's not the worst. I don't think it's the worst ever, but. The idea that we're talking about comparing it to potentially the worst ever, and there are a lot of things that stack up against it, I think that's all you need to know. That's all the evidence that you need to know in terms of the ineptitude. And whether it be that, you know, there's a lot of shots thrown at Josh McDaniels in terms of his play calling. You know, I don't know the X's and O's of the play calling, and I'm not a tape guy or a film guy like like you guys are, Ted Wynn, you know, folks like y'all. But I trust your opinions on it when your opinions come out and you're like, yeah, there's kind of vanilla and very predictable and whatnot. I trust that idea. But then also you look at the execution factor of it, and there's two plays today that are tonight that, that really come to mind. The Raiders have a fourth and two. Jimmy G rolls out. Josh, Jac- Josh Jacobs runs to the spot just beyond the line of scrimmage, turns around and puts his hand up. And Jimmy G looks at him, then looks him off, looks downfield, keeps scrambling, Josh Jacobs is still standing there, wide open. And Jimmy G does one of these, like, like go, 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 and then throws a horrible incompletion downfield. And I'm like, this is now the time that we have chosen to go downfield when like <laughs> we just it's a fourth and two, Jimmy. Like, and so is that the quarterback? Is that is that Josh McDaniel? I don't know. Like both, like, but it, we're talking about total ineptitude. And then the last one I'll tell you is that the one that was the most glaring tonight, and it started off the game. We get this incredible defensive play by Luke Masterson stripping out the ball. Uh, Bob Spillane falls on it. We get all this momentum, all this fire on defense. And what do we do on the next play? Jimmy G freaking floats one into the front part of the end zone. Instead of putting it to the back of the end zone where only Devontae Adams can get to it, instead he throws it up short. The safety cuts up underneath it and picks the ball. And it's like, immediately robs the momentum. Anything that we would have a positive going forward immediately gets rubbed out of horrible vision, horrible decision-making. And so when we start looking at those things as a collective, I don't know where this team goes from there. I mean, th- those are hard to move on from. And I think that it, it's, it's it's shared responsibility from not only Josh McDaniels, but also Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and Scott, after that, like, 
you know, I'm not sure where we go. And one last thing I'll tell you on this is that you talked about, you know, what Al Davis had to say about Mark. The, and the, and I think this is the, you know, the thing that that's getting him. Al Davis said he likes people too much. He's too mm-hmm. nice. He likes yeah. him. He's got a heart for people. He won't move on from Al Davis would have cut Josh McDaniels loose way long ago, right? Like, I mean, come on, Raider Nation, right? Three weeks in, Josh would have been gone. <laughs> I just wouldn't have been a done deal. And I'm not even saying that, like, that the, 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 the hyper turnover that we had in, in coaches is a good thing. And I think towards the latter part of Al's years, there are some things that could have been done different in terms of the way that he had, and he was overreactionary because he was chasing, because he was trying to get that that last you know successful season, that last championship, because he knew that his time with the with the Raiders and his life was coming towards an end. So I understand what he was doing, but he was chasing a little bit, right? And so he was he was moving on from guys quick. We were, I mean, bang bang bang, going through coaches. That said, though, when even a guy like Tom Flores, a Hall of Fame coach, when it started to drop off. He moved on from him. Like yeah. that's what Al did. Because he wanted he, to win. Because he wanted to dang win. It was more right. important to put uh numbers in the left column that wasn't the right column. And though that was more important than the relationships that he had. But even still, those guys and I mean, from trading away some of the greatest Raiders that ever existed, moving on from some of the greatest coaches, you know, that have that have been in, in play for the Raiders. They still respected him in the end and because they respected the spirit behind it. He, w- he wasn't doing these things out of malice. He was doing it out of desire for the Raiders to be the greatest organization in the, in the, in the history of all of sports. That's what it was. And so far, what we've seen out of Mark Davis, he's a little bit slower on the trigger. And, he, and, and, and again, and I'm not, I, I'm not a Mark Davis, you know, big uh, critical guy of Mark, you know, it's his football team. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do with it. I would never tell another man would do with his money or his business. So he can do whatever he wants to do with it. That said, if I'm in his position, I'd have fired McClown's ass four weeks ago at a minimum. <laughs> By the way, hashtag HYB, another donation, $10. And he says, it's a, known uh, fact, it's a known fact that Derek Carr was scared of pylons, but did he ever have a single digit QB rating? <laughs> I don't know. Like hey, I said, I... I had, I'd never seen a single digit. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't happened because there's some bad quarterbacks in the league, and there have been over the years. In one half, I've never seen a 3.3. And, and you know, the other thing we talked about, again, the Raiders gave up six sacks. And again, the offensive line was not upgraded significantly in the offseason. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniel said, nope, we're good. We got Greg Van Roten, who plays up and down. He has some moments, and then he has some really bad moments. He had, bad, he had some great moments today. In fact, he sprung Josh Jacobs on a big long run. Uh, I say relatively long run uh, because Jacobs had 60 yards again, couldn't break 100 again. But but you look at that line, they didn't invest in it. So six sacks tonight. But I will tell you, and I'll have to go back and watch the film, and I'll be happy to admit if I'm wrong. I think three of them were on Garoppolo. He could not get rid of the ball. He seems completely uncomfortable and scared back there. And that contributes to that problem, too. Your offensive line, maybe not as great. Now, you go out and hire Jimmy Glass. I know people call him Jimmy Glass. I'm now calling him Jimmy Garbage. But Jimmy Garbage goes out there, and guess what? He's not getting rid of the ball. There's open receivers. The other thing we saw towards the end of the game when Garoppolo missed what would have been, for sure, a touchdown pass. I mean, Devontae Adams had, I don't know, four or five yards ahead of the, the defender. Easily a touchdown pass, and Garoppolo overthrows it. Then we see Adams on the sideline throw his helmet into the bench in frustration. Totally understand. He's he's a world-class athlete. He is 
one of the best in the National Football League. And, and he has been a good soldier. He's, he's spoken out, but he's done it respectfully. But I will tell you all, Raider Nation, get ready for this week. Because this week, you're going to see a lot of stories. Now, he's not going to get traded tomorrow. Uh, Adam Schefter came on the broadcast and said that the Raiders don't look like they're trading anybody. They're not making any deals. But if I am Devontae Adams, unless I see something change, I'm getting the hell out of Vegas next year. There's no question about it. Because how can you go through your career? You're in the peak of your career. And again, they can't get you the ball because they don't have anybody to throw it to you. And so you have these weapons. You talked about Michael Mayer. He had the longest pass of the night for the Raiders tonight was to Mayer for 19 yards. Um, he did drop one that would have been almost equally as long. So you got to point that out. But you have these people. Hunter Renfro, for all that I've been defending Hunter Renfro and saying, hey, we haven't used him. Hunter Renfro had chances tonight and frankly didn't play as well as you want. Now, you could talk about inactivity. He's worried about getting traded. You know, a lot of things go through people's minds. So I'm not making excuses, but I am saying that Hunter Renfro has his issues too. But nonetheless, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't distribute the ball. I mean, you didn't have a, they didn't have a pass to the wide receivers the entire first half. I mean, you can't win in the NFL today unless you have a competent passing game. And you talked about Will Levis and having a rookie coming. Yes, it's only one game. But in the NFL, you got to keep trying until you get it right. You mentioned it earlier. Go get a quarterback. If that one doesn't work, go get another quarterback. You're about to see Chicago do the same thing with Justin Fields. They're about to give up on him and go get another guy in the draft, whoever that may be. So the, 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 the whole, and this is the overreaching thing, and I'm rambling a little bit here too, by the way. But I will tell you that this all comes down to player personnel decisions and building a team. And that, that, that goes not just to the coach, who has heavy influence in that, of course, but to the front office and Dave Ziegler. As each week goes by, I've been patient in evaluating him because you have some rookies. Tyree Wilson came out, had a nice play to start the game, got hurt, came back, and uh, outside of maybe the film where I can see maybe he did some good things, he didn't factor much in there. So we look at what they've done from a draft pick perspective, and nothing's panned out in two years yet either, so that's a concern because if you're not progressing on the field and you have talent, okay, coaching, absolutely. And we know there's a coaching problem in Las Vegas. But if you don't have the Jimmies and the Joes to get it done on the field either, like you saw with the Lions, then that's not just, that's not just coaching. If you had a bunch of talent and, and you aren't getting what you should out of your coach, fine. But looking at this roster too, Murph, you got to question the entire vision and direction of the team. And ultimately that has to lie with Mark Davis and Mark Davis making decisions. You can hire people you think are the right choice and in your heart of hearts, you believe it, but how much evidence do you need to know that you made a mistake and you got to own that mistake? Wow. There's so much impact there, Scott. So yeah. So let's, let's, one of your most recent points was about the lack of depth, right? You got, you got, you know, your superstars are drafted in, in round one, even round two, but your your the depth of your squad obviously is coming in the later rounds, and you you talked about how the Lions had had highlighted their four draft picks. We look at what the Chiefs did last year; they had all six of their draft picks playing the Super Bowl. That's where championships are built. That's where, if you want to keep it in terms of the Raiders, that's where Jack Squirek comes from, right? That's where your Van McElroys come from. Yeah. That's where the, like it's it's one thing to draft you know guys like Howie Long and what like. And, early in the in, in the in the rounds 
But where does the depth come from? That's what's truly important, and that's what builds a championship squad. And that's what the Raiders have failed to do for a very long time, although we have had some hits in the latter rounds like Max Crosby and and and, and Hunter Renfro. For the most part, top to bottom, and, and I think this is where I, I go with the Raiders a lot of times. We've failed on drafts regardless of the regime. We've drafted like, I mean, our drafts have been cheeks for years. It's not just been like a recent phenomenon since since Ziggler got there. I mean, we're talking about going all the way. Other than Reggie McKenzie hitting on Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and Gabe Jackson in the 2014 draft. Outside of that, like you name me a draft Raider Nation where we've actually crushed it. Like there hasn't been any of those, and that's what teams do uh, that are that are that are successful year in year out. So that's one part of it is the depth there. Um, in terms of turning a team around by drafting well, you can see a team flip it quick. We talk about the Lions a lot tonight because that's our most recent opponent. I mentioned they went three and thirteen, then nine and eight, and now here they are, one of the best teams in football, or at least at least in the NFC at a minimum. We talk about a two year turnaround because even though they went nine and eight in that second year, they started off one and six. Right. So they had this incredible winning streak towards the back half of the year. So teams turn around the NFL much quicker than they used to. The idea of, and and, and I love my Uncle Mosh, but he was he was talking about one of our postgame shows about how you got to give it time. You got to give it three years or so. And it's you know, even three to five years. Those days are over. Like th- those days are those are those those days are over. We're in a different era of the NFL with free agency and whatnot. You can turn a team around quick. Look at the freaking Houston Texans, right? Like there are you can you can flip this thing around relatively fast compared to prior iterations of the NFL. So that's our expectations as fans. So when we go through a year and a half and things aren't turning around, we're starting to look at our watch and going, okay, well, what else are we waiting for then? Right. Murph, Murph, there's not even, there's not even an inkling of things turning around. There's there's not, I mean, outside the the yes, outside the defense improving, there's nothing else. And you talk about teams turning it around. Look at Nick Sirianni. Remember people were making fun of how he did press conferences. And then all of a sudden, they're the second best team right now because the Ravens are playing so well. But you you could put them first, second, third, somewhere around there in the NFL. And he turned that thing around quickly. And it started with getting a quarterback, by the way. <laughs> they got a quarterback uh, and they built their defense and they continue to get better. So so you're right. There's there. This is not 1985. You don't get three or four years to turn around an NFL team. Coaches, other coaches do it more quickly. Yes, there's other examples of owners who are in the same boat of Mark Davis of giving people too much time, but most of those teams do not succeed. They don't end up turning it around, okay? And so so you look at that and you say, all right, then what do we do differently? And that's what you have to say is, look, it's a tough business. Any business is tough where you're dealing with people and people who are underperforming, but you have to be a leader and this is where I'm not going to make fun of his haircut. I'm not going to call him an idiot. I'm not, but this is where you have to look at ownership and you have to say, look, if you're not able to do it, uh, you got a co-host there, I see. Um, and uh, <laughs> Bomber, named after the legendary Mad Bomber, Daryl Monica. I love it. I love it. One of my favorite moments, by the way, in radio was was interviewing Daryl on the show in Las Vegas. It was it was awesome. Uh, but. But you you see it. And by the way, happy Halloween to those of you in the Eastern time zone. It was a horror show. It's kind of fitting. So, so yeah. So you have to look at the organization and say you have to make decisions. Now, the move to Las Vegas, all this stuff, of course, Raider Nation came with the team to Las Vegas. But at, in its new home, besides doing well financially, it's not establishing. And remember, no matter how deep 
and successful the Raiders history is. And, and Murph, you and I have enough gray hair to know and have lived during that time. A lot of Raider fans listening and watching us don't remember those years because they weren't alive. Um, the Raiders mystique will always be part of NFL history. But I will tell you, as more time goes on, it's disappearing. And this is why. is oh, because yeah. they're not able to do it. I saw it at my alma mater, UNLV. I still love UNLV. We had our little we had our little stretch up until the early 90s when we were the talk of college basketball. And since then, we've been irrelevant. The Raiders are the same way. And 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 because there's old old heads like us who remember those days, thank goodness it's still alive. But this thing has to turn around and it has to turn around soon. I know everybody's been saying that for 20 some years, but I'm telling you, they've got to make some good decisions in leadership or or it's not going to get any better. Yeah, the great Fred Belenikoff over uh, here over my uh, my left shoulder uh, on our show when we interviewed him last year, and we're looking forward to seeing Fred coming up uh, this weekend. He he said a, a, such an amazing line. He said, "You know, when whenever we have an opportunity to talk to the team, I tell them that you know we painted some lines on the road a long time ago, and now it's time for you guys to paint your own lines." And I would ask you, Raider Nation, how many players on this on this Raiders team? are painting their own lines. You know, Max yeah. Crosby, Devontae Adams, obviously, maybe Josh Jacobs, Colton Miller is in there, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Trayvon Merrick. Like, it's a very short list for guys that are that are painting their own lines. And, and yeah, and the further that we get away from the mystique of the Raiders of the 70s and 80s, you know, it, it, we, we now become synonymous with losing, where once upon a time we were synonymous with being one of the most winningest sports franchises in the history of all of sports, not just football, but we were more than the Montreal Canadiens or the New York Yankees or the Boston Celtics. Like, the Raiders were the winningest of franchises, and now we're a long ways away from that. And I'll say this real quick, that I sympathize with younger Raider fans, and I, mm-hmm. I've had my challenges with some younger Raider fans, because of the short-sightedness of things and, and whatnot. But I've gotten to a point where I, I'm, I'm I, now I've, I, I feel for them, and I'm with you all, that I have enough connectivity to the, although I was a young guy when the Raiders were won that first Super Bowl and even the second, I remember vividly the third one, but I still have a connectivity to that. So no matter what happens when it comes to ineptitude on the field, I'll still have that connection. I'll still have those conversations around the house and my uncles and my dad and even my grandmother talking about how great the Raiders were and all those wonderful things. So I still have that where younger Raider fans don't have, they barely have 2016. And then maybe if you're old enough, you can remember some of the Gruden years, but none of those equaled into championships. So I, I I I really do. I empathize with you all. And, and it's unfortunate because the Raiders and what they represented is just become, it's fading more and more and more and you know even for someone that has connectivity to it i can only go back and watch john facenda narrate black sunday so many times (laughs) i can only watch john you know john madden prowl the sidelines and bill king talk about his grin looking like a slit watermelon like all the amazing things that have happened in terms of the history of the raiders and the imagery and the mystique and it's you know al davis pumping his fist on the sideline like those things are there's becoming a long, long time ago now at this point. So I think it's it's very important for the Raiders. You know, listen, listen if you, anybody's ever been through the Allegiant Stadium tour, it's a love letter. Allegiant Stadium itself is a love letter to the Raiders, a love letter to the past of the Raiders. But that all ended in 1983. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Free. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, you, you think about that. And I know some of the people who are watching or listening who are in the Bay Area, look, the move to Vegas from a financial standpoint to get a stadium, all that stuff was the right move. I've always given Mark Davis credit for hiring the right people like Mark Bedane, uh, the help of Napoleon McCallum to get them what they needed to compete. So now they have everything they need. They have the financials. They have the stadium uh, to get that done, and it's not getting done. So here we are three years into the Las Vegas Raiders, and things are going backward. We saw some improvement. It was incremental under John Gruden. The drafts not counted, obviously, because they were brutal. But they were doing more on the field. And and so now you see this going absolutely backward. And I just think this is an inflection point, Murph. And, and again, I don't say go fire somebody. But I do look at it and say, look, it's not working. And if it's not working, why are you going to continue to do it? And so I think Mark Davis as an owner, this is a seminal moment for him. He's got to do something. Yes. And not only that. He's got to make a decision, the next decision he makes when he decides to make it, whenever that is, whether it's now in two weeks or at the end of the season, he's got to make a really good decision. And if I'm in his shoes, I'm going to get the best football people I know. I don't care who it is. And I'm going to say, hey, I need your help. I need the guys to come in and get this right. This may be my last opportunity to turn this thing around, to make my father's memory live longer and to make him proud by doing the right thing. And I know people out there are going to say, well, he can't, he's an idiot, blah, blah. And you know what? That might be the case. Sometimes you have bad owners and bad owners sometimes never improve. We've saw it in Washington with Daniel Snyder and, and we saw it with a lot of other people too. There's been a lot of owners like, hey, look, the Fords in Detroit have been awful. I mean, you look you look at what, what's happened with the Lions. Now, they got things on the track now, but look how long it took them to get there, okay? So, so that in itself is very important, and I think that whatever he does next, he can't rely on his own judgment of people to go hire the best people. He's got to find others who actually know what they're doing, and he's admitted he's not a football guy. So if you're not a football guy— you can't listen to people, and, and he's a great guy, and I don't know what happened, why he left, but you can't listen to people like Marcel Reese. He's not an NFL executive. He's not someone who's built a team. You have to listen to people who've done it multiple times and who are successful at it and ask for their help. Got to pay him to do it? Great. Pay him to do it. But I want to see, from my perspective, I want to see them make moves that make the NFL say, whoa, okay, now they're serious about winning. 
Yeah, I think it's time for a VP of football operations. I mean, and and maybe that's even a Sandra Douglas Morgan. You've already got somebody with a, a brilliant business sense in the building. You know, maybe you turn over the responsibility of hiring, you know, the, not, not the coach, but but a GM or the that VP of football operations. Maybe you turn that over to her. I don't know what the, what the case is, but but I'm with you on that in, in terms of the overall, and regardless of what the titles are, you know, or whoever comes out of retirement, Scott Pioli, or if that's Tom Brady or whatever, whatever the case may be, the idea that, that Mark is, and this is where I have respect for him is that I think that he's made these front office decisions with the best intentions, the spirit behind handing the keys to the kingdom to John Gruden or handing the keys to Reggie McKenzie. Like, I think those were, those were, they were coming from the right place. So that's where, you know, unfortunately the results didn't pay out the way that we wanted them to, but, I, but, the, but I think that it was, so they came from the right spirit. So that's where I, I don't have as much criticism for Mark. That said, it's getting to the point now again, where maybe he even takes a further step back by hiring a VP of football operations, I've said this numerous times now, look at what the Bidwells did when they brought John Elway in. They handed everything over to John. He handled the front office. He handled the decision-making. And, of course, John has a unique attachment to the Broncos versus someone else that might come in and make these decisions for the Raiders. But point being, though, is that the Bidwells didn't have anything to do with any of it. They were so far out of it where right now Mark is responsible for firing, you know, Ziegler or even Josh McDaniels. Well, take him even out of that. Just go yeah. be an owner, Mark. Go, right. go, because as you mentioned, we have the, the utmost in facilities in, in terms of not only place to play, but places for, to train, which was a, an indictment. For those of you that are old enough to remember, there was a huge indictment of the Raiders and a failure on Al Davis's part for many, many years. They didn't have great training facilities. We didn't have a great place to play. Like if there's one thing you can point at Al other than maybe some personnel decisions at the latter part of his career, when you look at what, what his, and I hate to say it, but the failures in terms of facility went on for what? 40 freaking years. Like, so like when yeah, you look yeah. at what Mark has done, it's been highly successful. So let's applaud him for that and let him just go do that stuff. So, so it's it's a good point because here's a correlation I'll draw, Murph, which is when they were organizing and getting ready to to make the push to go to Las Vegas, Mark got smart business people to work on that. He didn't interfere with it. He, he just said, hey, whatever you need to do, you do it. So he needs to do that on the football side. And, and to your point, Sandra Douglas Morgan, I don't know what she's done as the president of the Raiders. I can't comment on how successful she's been or not because that side of it, I don't know. I'm assuming it's good because the business side of things is good for the Raiders. But when it comes to the football, you got to have football minds, right? And you have to have current football minds. Not, you know, Ron Wolf has a Raider pedigree, but Ron Wolf's been out of the league for a long time. He's an older guy. I don't think that's the kind of guy you get. You need to get somebody who understands what's happening in the NFL now to be able to do that. And I'll make this comment because I often make fun of it because I'm not a fan of the WNBA. But Mark Davis went out, he bought this team, and everybody kind of chuckled at it and said, well, and sometimes I think he focuses more on it than the Raiders. But what he did there, for those of you who don't know, is he hired really good people, including the coach, to go build a women's basketball team in that environment, in that league, to win. And they've won two championships in a row. So clearly, he had the right people to do that. He has to take that same approach. And I know it sounds crazy to say, well, take your approach for the WNBA because it's completely apples and oranges. 
But the, the, the spirit of that is, okay, I got to go get the best people to build this football team. I'm not, I'm staying out of the coach thing. I'm staying out of the GM thing. What I'm going to do is, yeah, I get final say on it. I want to meet these people and make sure I'm good with it, but I'm giving it to you and I'm not factoring in the decision. You are making the decision because I'm handing over the keys because you know how to drive the car. It's a stick shift and I only know how to drive automatic. So I'm letting you drive a manual transmission because I just don't know how to drive it, but that's okay. As long as, as long as you guys commit to me that this is what you're going to do and it delivers a winning football team to me, then we're good. That's what he has to do. Totally agree that. And that's your VP of football operations. And that's where I think that like, and you could even distance it. And when I brought up Sandra Douglas Morgan, maybe you hand that responsibility of hiring that VP of football operations to her just to even give that extra, even layer depth, you know, there in terms of the, the hiring and the focus. I think ultimately that's what's going to happen. And that's, and I don't know. And it's, it's so, you know, again, you go back to the idea that it's his football team he can do whatever he wants to do with it. And we, as fans and whatever, like, I understand that he's going to do the, what he, he feels is best for the football team. So I'm going to trust that he's going to make those continue to make those decisions, but is it always going to be the right one? I don't know. And, and I, and I to go back to the idea that, if, if I'm in that spot and I can only uh, look, I'm a knucklehead in my bonus room with a freaking microphone and a <laughs> mastiff run around here. I got to think that I'm willing to, to, to take my ego out of it and back up and just hand it over. I think that that's, that's a, a prudent move at, at this point, Scott. Yeah. And, and you've got some people in the chat saying the Raiders were better in Oakland. I don't know how you say that because uh, from 2002 until 2020, when they moved, they only made the playoffs once. So, I mean, maybe yeah, well, your memory of the Raiders in Oakland was they were better, but it's not. I think this is an issue, obviously, since, like you said, probably the last five or six years under Al Davis. Um, obviously, they had success in 2002, but there were, as he got as he got more frail, things kind of went off the track. And, of course, the league changed, too, right, with the salary cap and things, and that was yes. not – Al went out and got what Al wanted. So we don't live in that environment anymore. But there's no living in the past. You can celebrate your past – and it can be part of who you are, but it certainly is not something that dictates your future. Your future is always dictated by what you do in the present uh, and the decisions you make to set yourself up for success. So it, it's a tough one. I know we've gotten into some bigger, deeper issues here, and we'll talk about those as we move forward. Um, but I'm real interested, Murph, to see what happens this week. What is the? What are the stories what are the stuff we see out of the beat writers when it comes to the future of Jimmy Garoppolo's starting quarterback? Um, if things are status quo this entire week leading up to the New York game this coming Sunday, um, and I'm a Raider fan, that would make me even more angry. You can get over the loss. It's over. Turn the page after a couple of days. If you start to hear some movement around, hey, we're going to do things differently. We're doing this. You hear Mark Davis say he's pissed off and this is not acceptable. Okay, fine. Then you start to say, all right, so there's recognition in the building that this isn't acceptable and it's not sustainable to do this. Then fine. If you don't hear that, then I'm telling all of you listening or re or, or watching that that should make you even more angry because there's got to be change and change has got to come pretty soon in my book. Uh, by the way, so for all of you who've uh, donated to the One Nation Foundation, one, uh, excuse me, One Nation Foundation in the Super Chat, thank you so much for that. Murph, uh, the One Nation Foundation, for those of you, we've got a ton of people on watching us live, and we always do this, and please don't tune out because I want you to hear this. Murph, Michelle, 
and and Swag Jeff uh, and everybody involved with the One Nation Foundation. Tell everybody about it, what you guys do, and how it benefits Raider Nation charities inside the family. Oh, thank you so much, Scott. So, yeah, we figured out that we could make some money with Raiders Fan Radio uh, a few years ago, back in 2019, and we decided we wanted to give all that money away, so we give it strictly to Raiders-related charities. And uh, the biggest benefactor that we have is the Bolitnikoff Foundation, and we're going to present a check for $15,000 on behalf of you, Raider Nation, uh, upcoming at their annual crab feed, which happens this Friday. Coming up, we're going to be out there in Vegas to present that check, and uh, and we always let the let you know the Bolitnikoffs know that this comes from Raider Nation. Uh, it comes from you know buying merchandise for Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, it comes from you know super chat donations. It comes from direct donations. It comes from advertising opportunities. All those things. Uh, anytime that we can generate money, we give it all away, and we can't thank you all enough because we have now entered into corporate sponsorship with folks like United Rentals and Bridgestone. Uh, we've also got the boy Will Compton on board who gave us a very generous donation this year and so uh, we just can't thank you all enough because we can't get to those corporate sponsors and advertisers like manscaped even is another one uh, without you hitting a like hit a subscribe hit a thumbs up subscribe to the audio uh, podcast uh, you know support here at, at silver and black today we thank you guys so very very much and they're literally doing life-changing work in terms of the Bolitnikoff foundation i talked to angela earlier fred's wife earlier this week and they are uh, they're, they're, they've, they've, they broke ground and are building a new facility that not only um, offers rehabilitative services and counseling services for young women at risk of domestic violence and substance abuse, but it gives them a safe place. They bring them in and they, and they offer them up from the most simple things like, you know, domestic skills and whatnot going forward as they reacclimate into, into life. And so it's incredible, incredible work that these Raiders related charities are doing. Also, we've partnered with Raider dad this year who are taking underprivileged kids uh, to Raider games with their parental figures. Um, just these incredible organizations that are out there and we can't do that without you guys. Thank you so very, very much. We love you so very, very much. And so thankful to represent your generosity. And again, we always make sure that we let them know that we're just the vessels. We're just the knuckleheads with a microphone and a reason to <laughs> gather around and talk about our favorite football team and bitch about our, our, our head coach and, and whatnot. Uh, but it's you guys, Raider nation. You're the ones that make this happen. And Scott, I can't thank you enough for your platform and also the, you know, the, the contributions that you've made to the foundation this year. And I know where we're going with this thing in the future. And it just, you know, our hearts are just, uh, just so thankful for everything that you and Raider Nation have done to, to help us out and represent the One Nation Foundation. Yeah, it's really remarkable work what you guys do, and it's all out of a passion and love for the Raiders. Uh, that's how it started, obviously, and, and it's amazing because uh, I know how much Raider Nation is a family. I didn't grow up in that family, of course, as you know, my history of liking that other AFC West team since I grew up in San Diego, uh, but but it's it's been remarkable. And ever since I've covered the Raiders, getting to know uh, even the super fans like Wayne Mabry, all those people, I mean, just amazing folks. And that's why, like last week when the Raiders lost, people were like, wow, you're so fired up. I thought you weren't a fan. It's, like, it's not. It's because I care about the people. I care about our listeners and our viewers and all of you out there who who care for the team and just want the best for them. And I'm seeing a lot of protest at Raiders headquarters stuff. And I think this, this idea that Raider fans aren't going to tell ownership what they're feeling about what's going on, I think it's only going to build more and more because people are united behind the fact that they just want their team to have a fair shake here. They want their team to have competent people coaching it, competent people running it. 
so that they can enjoy their football on Sundays and not be in this repetitive nature of losing seasons and decisions that seem just out of out of the blue. So hopefully that changes over. But the good news is, like Murph talked about, good things going on with the One Nation Foundation, of course, the Blitnikoff Foundation. And you're going out for Crab Fest, as you mentioned. I'm so bummed I can't go this year. But um, amazing work, and thank you for doing that. And, of course, thank you for coming on here, too. You thank me for coming on the platform, but I will tell you, I love doing this with you. It's always important. I always tell people, I don't do the show as a fan, but the fan's voice is important, and it needs to always be heard. And you, as an ambassador for fans, whether they've chosen you or not, are a great one. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate that, uh, as always. And and, uh, and and I have fun doing these shows. I mean, I'd love to have Mo on as well, and he comes on occasionally when he's got the time. But uh, always, <laughs> always fun to do it with you, and we will do it again next week, and hopefully things will change and maybe they get a win. Yeah, hopefully, man. And and I, and, and thank you again. I, I I love jumping on this show and talking to Raider Nation. And, and uh, you know, it's so funny. I love I It's hard for me to keep up with the chat, uh, but I always go back and read the chat and I read back through the YouTube comments. And it's so funny. Like most of the, of the, of the comments that we read are, are overwhelmingly positive and Raider Nation is, is kind of vibing with, with what we're talking about. And even you, Scott, you know, you didn't grow up a Raider fan, but we won't hold that against you, man. Yeah, I think you represent <laughs> Raider Nation so incredibly well. But it's so funny. I, I just want to call out one spirit of, of some comments where they're like, does, does Murph ever have a forethought? Everything is an afterthought. <laughs> it's an after show. We're here to talk about what we just saw. Everything is reactionary. You, you want four thoughts? Join us on Wednesday at, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. I'll give you all the four thoughts you want. Well, it's interesting, too, because in, in today's day and age, and, and you're a great example, I'm a great example. Remember, I, I had started off in the media and then went corporate route doing PR and stuff. So I was out of it for many, many years. And then when the Raiders moved to Vegas is when I started Silver and Black Today. It started as a website. I was doing a podcast that nobody listened to and built it up. And, and in today's world, you can be heard, you can create content. And so when people are critical, I don't mind if people are critical of me or if they have a disagreement with me, it's always good. I, that's always fine. But I love when people are critical of the content because it's very easy to do when you don't produce anything, uh, right. to, to sit in front of a camera or a microphone and do it, especially if you've never done it before. Now, like I said, I've done it before, but there's a lot of fans who have great shows, great platforms, and they do content and people criticize them for it. Uh, but it's like, okay, so then, you know what, do it yourself and let's see how your stuff is. Uh, but, but it's always good. Like you said, it's, it's always, it's 99% positive always. And we certainly appreciate it. Even for those of you who, who are really negative, I understand why, and don't blame you on one side of it, but just remember life is short. My good friend, Brian Plumer, who I lost just a couple of years ago, uh, who was, who was an, just a rabid Raider fan, um, um, was always that way. A lot of tough things in his life and unfortunately died at a young age, but he always looked positive. So I always remember him when I talk Raiders because even when the Raiders stunk, he would, he would vent for five minutes and then he'd stop and then he'd say, you know what, but I, I wouldn't give up the Raiders for anything. So just consider that uh, as, as, as you sit there in the depths of tonight's loss and the, the lack of a quarterback and all that jazz. But anyway, all right, so Murph, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and we will see you next week, and we'll see you Wednesday over on Raiders Fan Radio.
Actually, we're off this week because we're traveling to Vegas. Uh, right. Valerie and I will be leaving at the crack of dawn on Thursday to head to Vegas. So no show for us this Wednesday, but I'll be back here with you on Silver and Black today after we beat the Giants. Let's go. <laughs> Darren Weller, revenge game my ass. Ah, Let's go, Raiders. He, he hurt his hamstring again this week. Go figure. Oh, shocker. Yeah, that's a shocker. All right, that's my friend. Than a scream movie. Well, safe travels then, and we will see you next time. All right. Thank you, Scott. Have a good night, Raider Nation. Love you guys. All right. There you go. Um, always, always fun to mix it up with Murph. I can't wait to get down to his place in Nashville and do a show with them. I'm excited about that. So do it. But listen, I want to thank all of you for joining us here in the live game, uh, live post game show here on Silver and Black today. Mo and I will be back on Thursday with this weird schedule. We might drop a, a small show uh, for Wednesday. We'll see if, if that holds up. But anyway, I want to thank you guys all for being here. Thank you for the great chat, your super chats, and your donations to the One Nation Foundation, too. Much appreciated. Raider Nation always takes care of itself. Now, let's hope the Raiders take care of all of you soon and get this team pointed in the right direction. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. We appreciate that so much, Mo and I. Also, subscribe here on the YouTube channel. Hit the notifications bell so you know anytime we go live or have a new video up. Appreciate it. Also follow us on TikTok now, Silver and Black today. I've been doing some TikToks there and sharing some fun stuff with you. So we appreciate that as well. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Mo Moten and Murph, I am Scott Branson. We'll talk to you guys next time.